Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. My name is Byron Howell, and this is the Byron Howell Ministries podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about dealing with difficult people. And let me start by making three points. First, we all have to deal with difficult people. Second, sometimes we are the difficult people that others must deal with. And third, as Christians, we are called to deal with other people on a higher level, if you will. And we must always keep that in mind. I think if we can recognize those three, three truths and start to live by them, it will greatly help us in our act, interactions with others and even could tremendously help our own spiritual journeys in our lives with God. Let me briefly tell you some of my personal history and why I think about this subject so much. I dedicated my life to Christ after my second year of law school, and I was ready to quit law school and go full-time in the ministry. But as I prayed about it, I really felt like God wanted me to finish law school, so that's what I did. I had no intention of practicing law. My father had a small church back home, and I wanted to help him expand his ministry. My father is also a real estate developer, so I figured that I would work with him in the family business, but mostly I just wanted to do the ministry. Well, I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but I went full-time into the develop, development business, and I didn't do much in the ministry. And at that time, my dad was building a lot of small office buildings, and I didn't really have any construction experience, but he put me in charge of construction. And, you know, anyone in the world can tell you construction is a tough business filled with difficult people. God really helped me in that job, and a lot of good things happened, but it was tough. I mean, I typically handled multiple disputes every day. There were disputes with the subcontractors, our, our own, you know, co-workers, employees, etc. Disputes with the customers, disputes with the banks, you name it. In like five years, the company built about 250 small office buildings. So that just gives you an idea of the volume and the pressure. I mean, it was a lot. Well, then... In the Great Recession, my dad's business went under. My wife was pregnant with our first child. My dad, you know, we both worked for him. So my dad paid for our cars and health insurance and everything else. And almost overnight, I had to start practicing law. And that's really why I never worked for a firm. I just had to get going. And my first work as a lawyer was representing my dad against a bunch of banks who were trying to take everything he had. And, you know, back then, he had five, he has five other children. I have five half siblings and they were all minors back then. And, and literally these banks and these lawyers, they would have taken the clothes on off of his back. They would have taken everything from him, my stepmom and all my siblings. And, and I just want you to know, I'm not exaggerating at all. And I could go on and on. I'm super jaded against banks and debt and all of that. And, and just here is a word to the wise, you know, your banker who acts like your best friend and will loan you money to do this and do that. And you see the commercials about, you know, get a new line of credit or, you know, help start your business or whatever. Just so you know, the moment you stop paying, you are persona non grata. You are a vile, loathsome, deadbeat piece of garbage. And they will sick the lawyers on you and take everything they can. They'll take the food out of your mouth. They'll take the crib your baby is sleeping in. And that's just the truth. I've personally been in those fights for my dad and for others. And look, I, maybe I sound harsh, but I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. You don't pay. They turn it over to the lawyers and boom, they're coming. And those lawyers, they couldn't care less. They, they don't care. Their whole job is to recover every dime they can. 
And look, I admit it, I probably still need to forgive some of those people, but that is the world. So really, I went like out of the frying pan of construction and straight into the fire of, you know, kind of big stakes commercial litigation. And if dealing people in the construction world was hard, dealing with lawyers in litigation was a complete war against my soul. And truthfully, all I wanted to do was love people and help people and talk about Jesus. And instead, my life was a constant fight over money for, for years. And, and now, you know, now let's fast forward about, you know, 12 years or so since that time, I realized that I just could not do litigation. It was just too hard on me. Fortunately, God brought me some clients who bought and sold apartment buildings. And that's what I've done for about the last 10 years. And I'm very close with my clients. You know, one of my clients you know, sent me to Israel. Another one, I officiated his wedding. Two of them, uh, their partners, business partners, they've been with me to Haiti on a mission trip. And my last client, who's an older gentleman, he's known me since I was a child. We're very close. And you know, God has used those five men to tremendously bless my life. But that doesn't mean it's been easy. You know, buying and selling apartment buildings is a big business. And to put it in perspective, my primary client was the largest buyer and largest seller of apartment buildings in Atlanta in 2019. And he may have that title for other years. That's just the one year I actually have the statistics on. We do a lot of deals. And personally, I've overseen billions of dollars in real estate deals. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not trying to get work. I'm just, you know me, I'm just telling you like it is. It's just the truth. And strangely enough, I'm doing that from my house, you know, in my pajamas or my gym clothes or whatever. I never go anywhere for work. I just sit here and oversee these deals. That's why, you know, I'm always quickly answering emails and on social media and so forth. But, you know, while I might have, you know, the least sophisticated law firm in the history of big real estate, the lawyers on the other side are often the opposite, especially on big deals. We're dealing with the nation's big firms and and even on smaller deals, the lenders, because, you know, debt makes the world go round and debt is a uh, you know part of all these big deals. The lenders are always represented by, you know, big prestigious firms in New York and D.C. and Chicago and wherever. You wouldn't believe some of the legal bills that I have seen. And at this point, uh, dealing with big money lawyers is an entirely different experience of, of dealing with difficult people. And look, I'm sorry for my lengthy work history here, but suffice it to say that I have significant personal experience in dealing, you know, in difficult situations and difficult people. And, you know, that doesn't mean everyone is difficult. I've worked with lots of people who are great. I've worked with people on very complex matters that took months and millions and millions of dollars. And, you know, I've had I've had lots of great experiences with uh, with other people, even some people that are tough. You know, some people are strong and tough in their work and, you know, very smart. Doesn't necessarily mean they're difficult. But, you know, you get what I'm saying here. You know, and I want to freely admit I am still not perfect at dealing with difficult people. If you heard my last podcast about my interaction with that cyclist, you would agree. You know, we all deal with difficult people at work and many times we deal with difficult people outside of work and in the random areas of our lives. So how can we do better? How can I correctly deal with even the most difficult people? How can I move out of the struggle and into a place where it's in my nature to correctly deal with everyone? 
Now, sure, I could spend a few minutes talking about how you must love your neighbor and the fruits of the Spirit and all of that. Uh, but you can hear that elsewhere. That's all valid. It's all very true. You need all that. But chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you don't need to hear that from me. You've heard all that before. So let's charge on to the deeper truths and a perspective from the spiritual realm. And please give me some patience as some of this is very powerful, uh, you know, very wonderful truths, maybe a touch difficult to articulate. But I think you'll agree that this is going to help you. The correct way to deal with everyone, you know, as a Christian is to completely disregard your natural existence and the all-consuming importance of your daily life and your personal comfort and your personal interest. I mean, obviously, we have to take care of ourselves and things like that. But as a mental framework, put yourself to the side first. Rather, your natural existence, you know, put that to the side. Rather, to start, Fully embrace your spiritual reality and your spiritual job on this earth, your position in the kingdom of heaven. Now, from that starting point, with that perspective, you can correctly deal with everyone. You are a son or daughter of the Most High God. You are literally united with God in your spirit. You are a soldier for the kingdom of heaven. And while you may live 120 years in this natural life, you know that you have an eternity in paradise that your mind can't even fathom. Our lives are but a breath, a whisper, and an eternity that is a consuming joy and is literally free from tears, from pain, from every hardship. That is where we are headed, and nothing is going to change that. But this is who you are now. This is your reality now. That's your future now. And in this period of time, where you live before your eternity of joy, that's where we're headed, before your eternity of joy and comfort, you have a job. Now, we could describe this job a few different ways, but let's try to sum it up clearly. Your job is to exist in such a way that you have the maximum possible impact on others for the kingdom of job, excuse me, for the kingdom of God. And yes, I'm not taking away anything from your personal relationship with God. I'm not taking away from, you know, your your needs to watch over your family. But I want to hear this again because this is very important and we all share this. You are to exist in such a way that you have the maximum possible impact on others for the kingdom of God. To put it another way, you should identify yourself as an ambassador for Jesus Christ every moment of every day in every act, interaction with everyone. And yes, even as I write those words, and I know they are true, I feel the pain of falling short. But let's keep going. We are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Matthew 5 13 and 14. We are not our own. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It is no longer we that live, but Christ that lives in us. Galatians 2, 20. We are ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 20. We must daily deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. Luke 9, 23. We must embrace our new reality in Christ, our new identity in Christ, and we must allow our new identity to inform every aspect of our lives, every choice we make, and every interaction we have. 
Consider for a moment, now let's start to move into more of a practical. See, we have our identity and our identity informs how we treat people and how we view others. Consider for a moment how God sees the various people you deal with. I'm not saying that's exactly how you should see that, them, but let's keep his perspective in mind. If that other person is a born-again Christian, then you are dealing with God's son or daughter and your brother or sister. Even if they're terrible to deal with, you should treat them correctly. God loves them and you should love them too. In fact, your entire interaction with them should be informed with this understanding. Consider 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2. We are to treat our fellow Christians as our family members. Family members aren't always easy to get along with, but we should show them love and remember our family relationship. If the person you are dealing with is not born again, you must still consider God's love for that person. God loves him or her so much that he sent his son to die for that person. Even if this terrible person was the only person to ever accept Christ, God would have sent Jesus just for them. So sometimes hard to accept that truth, but it is the reality. And it's true for you as well. If you were the only one, God would have sent Jesus just for you. You know, back to that other person, God has an awesome plan for his or her life. In fact, this person is called to be an absolute champion for Jesus and the kingdom of God. And I know that's true because we all are. We are all called to do good works for the kingdom of God, to shine his light in the world. God has a wonderful plan for everyone. But in all these interactions, we must keep this in mind. You might be talking to the next Billy Graham or Joyce Meyer. Now, remember, and I think this is super interesting, important, and helpful. There are actually two levels to this analysis of how we should deep, excuse me, deal with people. Let's refer to the basic emotional and logical level as the natural level. I should deal with everyone in a kind and loving manner. I should always be helpful and gentle, peaceful and patient. I know that God loves everyone, that Jesus died for everyone, so I'm going to treat everyone accordingly. I realize there's a lot of spirituality in those statements, but it's still pretty basic, or at least it should be. But what about the higher level, the more spiritual level? What is my job here on earth? Remember that job. Sure, but my job is to love and help and generally do the best I can, but isn't there more to it? Isn't my job also, as part of you know having this impact for king, the kingdom of God, is it my job to help everyone rise to the heights of their true potential with God? In fact, while every interaction is an opportunity to show God's love or at least a de be a decent person, any interaction may also be an opportunity to help the other person grow in their relationship with God and in their spiritual maturity. How can I encourage someone on God's behalf? How can I exhort someone? Can I recommend the right book or the right sermon? Should I invite this person to church or recommend a church in their area? And I'm just going to briefly mention that the deeper we go, sometimes the worse I do feel about myself. But anyway, I press on because I know that I've had countless interactions where I've come short, where I've missed it. But, you know, again, we're learning, we're growing, and we're going to do better. 
You know, what about spiritual gifts? Is it possible that God has a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge for the complete jerk I'm dealing with right now? Is it possible that God wants me to have a divine encounter with this person and I'm ready to cuss them out right now? Yes, it is possible. And I've got to keep that in mind. I've got to put the spiritual before the natural. I've got to, you know, put my cross and the way I'm supposed to live for the kingdom of God, I've got to put that first in my mind in every interaction. You know, what about, you know, a prophecy or a true spiritual interaction or a healing miracle for this person? You know, what is God who loves the difficult person you are dealing with more than you can even fathom? What does he want you to minister to this person? Aren't we the enlightened ones? Aren't we the mature ones? Well, great then we should be ready at all times. We should be treating people correctly at all times. As Joyce Meyer once said, you need to have a personality that God can use at all times. And I realize now that yes, on the basic level, that's loving, that's kind, that's the fruit of the spirit. But also I need to be tuned in to the voice of God, tuned in to the spirit of God, so that if God wants to really use me to impact someone spiritually, he can. And that can be very tough to keep in mind when dealing with difficult people. But when we remember our identity, when we remember our job, when we remember who we really are and this eternity in paradise, we have awaiting us and how much God loves these people, we can start to get the right perspective. So now let's really go crazy, all right? What if I'm extra nice to the people who are the biggest jerks? What if I'm so spiritually mature that no matter what another person does to me, it doesn't throw me off my game? In fact, it doesn't matter how you treat me, I'm still going to shine the light of God's love towards you and everyone else in my life. What if I give the biggest tip to the worst waiter? What if I am the kindness and most helpful lawyer, even when I'm dealing with the most painful lawyers on the other side? Now, as I'm truly dealing with people like Christ, as I'm truly loving people with God's love, even when it's hard, how can the Spirit of God work through me? And now imagine for a moment that this is your constant position with everyone you encounter. What if you are literally immovable in your love, love, love walk? And what if you bear the fruits of the Spirit even with the most difficult people? Now imagine you're really good at dealing with everyone on every level and the spiritual gifts are working in your life. You are regularly blessing and encouraging people on the highest level. People are leaving your interactions feeling absolutely blessed, not just by you, but literally blessed by God because they have had a great encounter with one of his children that has shown God's love to them. You know, let me just talk about that briefly. Uh, and, uh, not perfect, not perfect in many, many interactions, but there are some times when I get it right. Sometimes when I'm just whatever, maybe it's an easy day, maybe it's a good day and I'm tuned in and I treat someone like God wants me to treat them. 
You know what I've found? I've found that they don't point that warmth they feel to me. I've found that they actually understand that God loves them and that God is using me to show his love to them. I'm not saying that that happens to me every day, but I'm saying it has happened and it is wonderful. It is more wonderful to know that a person is experiencing God through me than it would be if that person just thought, oh man, Byron's awesome. Byron's great. He's so kind. He's so whatever. That, you know what? That's okay. I want people to think I'm nice. But, but when someone knows that they have experienced the love of God through me and that God basically used me to show up with his love in their life and truly they are glorifying God and it's not about me at all, man, that is, that is wonderful. That is an amazing feeling. It's such a better feeling to know that you are working with God to show his love to the world. And, it, and it, it's just, it's, it's so wonderful you know, to realize that, that in fact, it is cooler for people to think better of God because of your interaction than they're thinking about you. Maybe I'm not saying that very well, but I'm pretty sure you're getting the idea. To help people in their relationship with God is a more fulfilling, more exciting interaction than it is for people to leave thinking you're the man or something like that. You know what I'm saying? You know, and look, I'm going to be honest. I can't see most people say that most people leave interactions with me feeling that way. That look, oh my gosh, boy, I just felt God's love through that guy. Um, that may not be the norm, but it's happened sometimes. And, and maybe, you know, maybe that's why I don't see more of the spiritual gifts in my life because I'm not always treating people the way that I should or I'm not thinking about treating people like Christ or like I know that Christ wants me to treat them. And, you know, maybe I'm digressing a little bit, but I'm telling you, this is the goal. You know, what an adventure life would be if we were really living with this perspective, living with this mindset. Every interaction is now an opportunity to see the supernatural. Every interaction is now an opportunity for God to touch someone through your life. Every interaction is now an opportunity for you to help someone grow in their Christian life. My friends, our lives are in fact meant to be an adventure with God. Even the mundane aspects of life, getting gas, the grocery store, basic work tasks, you know, any of them can become a Holy Ghost moment, a miraculous encounter at any time when we are treating people correctly, when we are thinking about how God feels about this person, no matter how they might be treating me. Brothers and sisters, we need to be mastering the first, the natural level of our interaction so that we are open to the second, the higher level, the more spiritual level of our interactions. I need to be showing love to everyone I deal with, even through gritted teeth, if necessary. I need to be loving and gentle and merciful, even when I'm dealing with like the worst drivers or the most difficult lawyers. I must constantly be in tune with the love of God and thoughts of God towards the people around me. And if 
we can commit to this Christ-like love, this godly treatment of others, independent of how they treat us, then we can truly shine as God wants us to in the world. Living epistles, love letters written by God to the world, literally shining with the glory of God and his love. You, know, you can't change the world for everyone. No one can and no one will. God doesn't work like that. I mean, Jesus, Jesus is the only one who you know is going to change the world for everybody. But no, we are members of a body. We have our spheres of influence. We have our job. We have people in our lives, in our worlds. And it's our job to show God's love wherever we can. You can help people grow and shine and mature and rise so that they also become this beacon of God's love in the world around them. That's one of your jobs. You're a child of God and your job is to help bring others into the family and to help all your brothers and sisters along the way. So let's take up this mantle, this aspect of the cross. And we happily bear the discomforts and the grimaces that this Christ-like love for others inevitably entails. But when we do, when we truly do, now we are open to see the power and love of God flow through our lives to touch everyone, and it can happen in any interaction. My friends, I pray that this encourages you, this helps you. I know it's blessed me. Uh, now I'm going to go for a walk and feel bad about myself until the Holy Spirit you know, comforts me and reminds me that he loves me anyway, and I can always do better in my future interactions. God bless you. Have a great weekend.